Bridging the gap between communities, uh, connecting farmers and urbanites, people in the city, people in the country. You know, this has been a, an ongoing thing, and there's really a widening gap in our culture right now with uh, people who live in urban areas and l people who live in rural areas and produce food, farmers. Uh, what is the disconnect and what's going on with that? Something we talk about quite a bit here on this program and in my new job. Welcome back. We continue here on the farming show here on KGMI News Talk 790. Dylan Honkoop here. And uh, as I've been reminding people, I'm not with the radio station anymore other than this program uh, where we get to talk about farming every week. And, and it is thanks to our sponsors, um, Farmers Equipment Company, as well as Laurel Farm and Western Supply for making this program possible. I've got a special guest uh, with me here today and i'm actually at the uh, corporate offices which is a kitchen table by the way of twin brook creamery larry stapp and family's uh farm uh up here north of linden and we've just gone on a tour uh with a, a writer a colonist out of seattle longtime media persona in some ways that he's created canute burger he goes berger i should say i you got it right I keep getting that wrong <laughs> Uh, you go by the nickname of Mossback. At least that's what I... Right. Yes. <laughs> so you represent, in some ways, Mr. Urbanite here. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming up and visiting yeah. uh, farm country up here. And we've taken you through uh, Rich Apple's farm, Apple Dairy. And, and Rich does the dairy side. His brother John does the cheese side. And you saw the cheese. And we, we talked with Greg Eby about potatoes. And we're here at Twin Book Creamery now. First off, what are your impressions? I mean, I had read your uh, series this summer about your road trip across the state and, right. and bridging that divide from east to west in the state and right. urban and rural. And I thought that's something that we can do really from south to north. Yes. In this yeah. case, geographically from right. Seattle up here to the farm country. What are your impressions so far? Well, impressions are great. I mean, it's wonderful to meet the folks who create the food I love to eat. And, uh, and it's in such a beautiful setting. Um, you know, this is a gorgeous part of Washington State. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a native Washingtonian and uh, born and raised in Seattle. And, and uh, you know, my family came here around the turn of the century. And uh, I think we've got, we're up to, what, five generations under, this, under the shadow of the Space Needle. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, as a journalist, I've ha I have had a long interest in all of the state, not just Seattle, but obviously um, incredible uh, natural bounty in the rural mm -hmm. areas and that kind of thing. And I, I, uh, my first wife was uh, from a wheat family in eastern Washington. We used to go over there and visit. And, uh, you know, so I've, I've, I've had some exposure, maybe more than some urban folks, to mm -hmm. uh, rural Washington. And it, that's just been an interest of mine in journalism is, is connecting and, and kind of surprising uh, readers and listeners uh, with what there is in the state. Because I, I feel, you know, it used to be the east-west kind of cascade divide, the eastern Washington, mm -hmm. western Washington. You know, we used to look at those differences between us with a little more humor than we do now. Yeah. And yeah. I think I think we're we're living in an age of political division and mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're either blue or you're red or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, it's it's kind of a false system. I mean, we might have different ideas and uh, and different experience, but you know, we're still human. We're still uh, all in this together. And uh, so 
I've been interested as a journalist in trying to connect uh, people in different parts of the state, and a lot of that has to do with getting people, such as people in Puget Sound area, mm-hmm. out of their comfort zones and into some of the other parts of the state. And uh, so journalistically, we've been doing that. You referred to a series that we did uh, for Crosscut, which is um, the main outlet I have to write for. And a photographer, Matt McKnight, and I uh, traveled from one, you know, the length of Highway 2, uh, which was really the, the original east-west highway in Washington mm-hmm. State. And along the way, we did stories and we talked to orchardists and wheat ranchers, cattle ranchers, and all kinds of other people. It was just, um, if you want to uh, understand people and you want to walk a mile in their shoes, you have to go to where their shoes are. <laughs> exactly right. Well, it's, it's a pleasure to have you here on the program and to be able to tackle some of these things the political power in this state and most of the people same thing really are in your area in seattle the seattle metro area right but a lot of people don't know exactly where their food comes from anymore yeah at the same time there's growing interest in that what are people interested in in seattle and 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 what should what what should those of us up here in Whatcom County who take right. a lot of this stuff for granted, what should we know about the way we're viewed producing yeah. food in Seattle? Well, first of all, uh, you know, I think most people in Seattle don't know anything about what it takes to make a loaf of bread or a pound of cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's tremendous interest in the in the the products of farms, and mm-hmm. if, you know, now just about we you know Seattleites went to bat to preserve the Pike Place Market, which is a way that farmers could sell directly to urban consumers, and that was founded at the turn of the century, the turn of the 20th century, and uh, you know it's the largest tourist attraction in Seattle, so. People, people have an understanding of the importance of food and the food chain, but they don't really know much in the practical sense. And now we have uh, farmer's markets in virtually every Seattle neighborhood. Uh, during the summer, on any day of the week, you can go to a farmer's market uh, in a local neighborhood and meet, in many cases, meet the people who are producing the food. But that, that knowledge doesn't necessarily extend to what's it like to run a farm, what the, what the political issues are of farming. Most people in Seattle are not thinking about agricultural policy. Right, right. They're thinking about zoning or uh, you know other issues. That police brutality police or brutality. whatever the, the issues du jour are. Absolutely. Homelessness. Uh, you know, I mean, you can, there's a whole host of uh, issues, and we probably know more about Amazon and that economy yeah, than we yeah. know about an agricultural economy. Uh, but on the other hand, I don't think it's because people aren't interested. They're just not exposed to it. They don't live with it. They don't smell it. They don't breathe it right. every day. Uh, they think uh, they think food comes from Whole Foods. Exactly. Knute Berger with us, a columnist with Crosscut. And what other publications are you in right now? I know you've written books. You've been yeah. in a, a lot of different publications over the years. Where can we all see your stuff right now? Uh, well, mostly in Crosscut.com, which is a nonprofit website. We're affiliated with the public television station KCTS 9. Um, I also write a monthly column for Seattle Magazine, which, uh, you know, has a big circulation in the Puget Sound area. And, uh, 
and then I am often do radio uh, punditry on uh, KOW, which is the P- or the uh, NPR station mm-hmm. in uh, Seattle. And this is, by the way, KGMI News Talk 790, the farming show. Dylan Honkoop with you here on your Saturday morning. Again, talking with uh, Knut Berger, our, our guest this half hour, and uh, we're talking more about this urban-rural divide, the, the difference between city folk and country folk and farmers and non-farmers. I'm thinking about, again, back to that, that urban person that we've been discussing. And okay, yeah, they don't think about farming on a daily basis. But when issues do come up, oftentimes that lack of knowledge that we've just been referencing can be a factor as far as what people say about it. And you make claims about, say, organic food or make claims about GMOs or, you know, all these things that have gotten a lot of press over recent years and the uh, focus on gluten-free and, and healthy food and all of of that sometimes the concern coming from the farming community is pretty easy to manipulate a population that knows very little about where their food comes from to convince them that the system that's providing them food is bad harmful harming the environment how how do people feel about that in general i mean there's a sense in washington state we hear from some groups that say you know farming in washington is corporate farming um right and and how do you counter that how do you reach people and say these are families here still for many generations producing food for the people of our state and beyond well you know we're all ignorant about something right and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, that that's a that's sort of a battle we in the in the media try <laughs> try to fight I mean we try to educate people about different uh, different things you know urbanites are used to the idea that um, it's like Starbucks you can order a latte like 50 different ways right <laughs> it's like we want to live in a world where we have all these choices and if you want to have you know gluten-free non-gmo or organic this yeah. or that Seattle is a great place where you can you can find that but I think like you know most people you don't think about what's downstream in terms mm-hmm. of uh, uh, you know what it took to get that food there and what the lives of those people are like and I I I, I told you about I think a, a while ago I told you about a program I was involved with in the 1980s that I thought was really great and the kind of thing that we should be doing more of in this state which was uh, we worked with the Washington wheat growers and did a thing. I, I was at a magazine called Washington Magazine, which covered the whole state. And we did a thing where our readers could fill out an application to do a swap with a farm family in eastern Washington. So you could go over there, say, during the wheat harvest and spend a weekend on a family wheat ranch. And then in the winter, you would invite that family to come to Seattle and spend uh, a weekend with you. Or if not Seattle, somewhere in western Washington, it was uh, attempting to bridge the divide. And I can tell you that that couple of days that we spent on a wheat ranch in Connell in Franklin County was completely eye-opening for us. Uh, my kids still talk about riding in a wheat combine and uh, learning about the whole process and history of these family farms. Um, and we gained a, a knowledge and respect for uh, what those families were doing. And I, I think, um, I think getting people out of their comfort zones, getting them out of the city, getting them on onto farms uh, is a really great way to do it. I also think that there's a natural audience there. If if there were booths at the farmers market where family farmers could talk to people about what they're doing. Um, we don't, you know, we don't necessarily know what's going on in every aspect of regulation in Olympia or the Department mm-hmm. of Ecology and these things. 
most people like to think that uh, environmental regulation is good because right. we've seen so right. much damage in other cases, but we don't really follow that through. And you know, I think all of us know no 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 government bureaucracy is perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. they don't necessarily get more perfect over time. Um, but I think that I think um, there's that lack of awareness can be addressed by people talking with people face to face, and whether that's in a farmer's market or in the farmer's barn or dairy, um, I think that's good. So I think I think programs like that Farm City Swap. We had so many people write to us after that program, uh, and one of it was interesting. The Eastern Washington folks. Like these wheat ranchers would say things like, I never knew how much living on an island was like living on a farm. <laughs> you know, and we, we met this family on Vashon Island and then we stayed with them and they're just like us, except, huh. you know, they're not farming every day. They have a different uh, way of making a living. But people find commonalities, and I think that's actually our natural instinct, is to find commonalities and connect with one another, and it takes other people to try and drive us apart. And I think, so I think focus on the commonalities. Mm -hmm. You may never agree on everything. You may never have somebody who can completely see things from your viewpoint, but you can relate. You can converse. Um, And when you go into the the grocery, you can have some sense of, uh, you know, the amount of work that takes that goes into a a quart of milk or a a loaf of bread people do care more and more about i I don't know what your perspective is on the change in how people think about their food over the last 10 20 30 plus years and while it is true most urbanites don't think much about where their food comes from and in some ways there's an increasing amount of ignorance about where it comes from there is an increasing focus on eating healthy, eating environmentally friendly, climate change, what's my impact as far as the food that I'm eating, Um, what's the impact on people and workers and farm worker justice and so these that is growing right yes. am i wrong in in no i i think that is growing and i think uh people are are more aware of aspects of food and the health aspects i think they're more uh they're certainly more aware and I, you know and i also think there are issues that can be worked on. i went to a conference up in leavenworth a few months ago which was uh, there were orchardists there who work with farm workers who are very concerned about I- immigration reform because they want to have a sustainable workforce right. uh, of migrant workers and resident workers. And they were meeting with guys from the high-tech community in Seattle who, who want something very similar. They want immigration reform so that they can hire, right. um, they can get the visas that they need for the high-tech jobs at Microsoft or, or whatever. And this seems to me like a place where even though those industries are different, there's commonalities. There's also a thing I think most people would be shocked by how high-tech farming is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we you know we saw the sophistication of this uh, potato uh, farm that we yeah, went to Greg today. Where they had, yeah, yeah the, the seeds. Uh, when Matt and I were over in eastern Washington, we were blown away by the technology used in uh, cherry packing and mm-hmm. fruit packing plants over there where they have these highly computerized machines that are sorting and photographing your fruit and making sure each cherry is perfect. Um, and, uh, you know, Seattle is a high-tech city and agriculture is a high-tech industry in many respects. And, uh, but doesn't that make it science. look, uh, just to bump butt in here, doesn't that yeah. make it look almost scary? 
or yeah, robotic so. right. less but, but i think if if you know if people actually saw the stuff in operation they would be excited about it i don't think it wouldn't be like oh robots are taking over farms <laughs> you know it's like well, uh, I, I worry about the image of the corporate farm the factory well, farm those those ter- terms that are used that right. we know from you know 95% yeah. of fam uh, farms in washington state are family farms right so it doesn't that narrative doesn't necessarily fit with reality here but i do wonder about perception and that that's where i i i pitch it back to you as far as what what do farmers need to do is it is it good to show people how high tech we've become because we we feel we produce a cleaner product a better product and more efficiently smaller carbon footprint all these things that are positive about it but at the same time it's very easy then to say that's a factory farm because it looks like a factory yeah you know yeah those there are those kind of cheap images that you can fall back on and uh, that people you know tend to do and that mostly that is kind of political rhetoric um, I think that you know if agriculture and and the high tech folks build uh, built bridges um, I think that would speak to a lot of people in Seattle hmm. who support technology but they don't yeah. necessarily understand all of its applications they think it you know they think technology is Amazon right you know and being able to order to wh- whatever you want from little Alexa there you know <laughs> and yeah. uh, um, but I think if they saw the kind of, I'll tell you one thing that struck me in this cherry packing plant, I noticed that they had these, you know, incredible computerized high tech machines, but they were also using human labor. Um, but these machines, most of them were developed in Europe. And I asked the guy, I said, well, how come, you know, this machine is from Holland and this one is from Italy? Mm-hmm. He said, well, you know, the European U- Union spends a ton of money on R&D perfecting this equipment. Yep. So we go over there and, and buy it. And, you know, my reaction to that was, well, why isn't there a company in Seattle yeah. building this stuff? Yeah, you where's know? our investment privately or publicly in that kind of thing? Exactly. So I, I think there's an, an interesting kind of natural partnership between tech and farming. Hmm. I think there's a partnership between immigration reform and farming. I think there's a huge connection between uh, people interested in what they're eating and learning more about how it's produced. And I think that would help damp down this fear of Mm -hmm. technology. Now, you may not be able to persuade uh, some people that corporate farming is, is good, um, but you don't have to persuade everybody. It's 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 a matter of um, a more sort of generalized, you know, deepening the knowledge, and it's mm-hmm. better to deepen it by a couple of inches if you can't go right. ten feet. Right. You know. And my sense is that it needs to be shown too that the family farm today may look different than the classic old red barn and a couple of cows and a silo and. It may look a lot more high tech than that, but still truly is a family farm like we have visited here today. Again, I'm talking with Knut Berger with Crosscut.com, a columnist, writer, author uh, from Seattle, up uh, for a visit here in Whatcom County on the Farming Show. We're basically out of time. We could talk for the whole hour, I'm yeah, sure, we but could. we've got to run. Um, I just want to give the last one to you. Um, the floor is yours. What are your thoughts after uh, well, your visit? Any advice for us up well, here in the north rural country? Yeah, I'll tell you something you probably don't want to hear, which is that if you look at the demographics of Washington State and you look at where growth is occurring, population growth, mm-hmm. and you think about the next census and you think about where the political districts are going to be drawn, population growth is in the urban areas. It's in greater Seattle. It's in the, it's in the three big counties. Um, um, 
the political map of Washington is going to be changing. And I think if people in agriculture and in rural areas are going to need to um, prepare themselves for the fact that I think in this state, I think urban power, uh, for better or worse, urban power and urban voting clout and urban clout in Olympia is going to grow, not diminish. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's by that I would say that the importance of this education program that you're talking about in terms of uh, reaching out and making connections is more important than ever. Thank you so much for being here with us. We really appreciate you coming up to visit. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for your time. It's been a great time. Thanks, Dylan.